This is Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. On this special edition, Aaron Volpatti played five seasons in the National Hockey League between Vancouver and Washington. He played NCAA Div 1 with Brown University, where he was their captain, and named to the NCAA All-Academic Team for three seasons. He's the author of the book Fighter, Defying the NHL Odds. It all started for Aaron in Revelstoke. As a Grizzly, he played 57 games over two seasons, one as an AP. He earned 38 points before moving up to Junior A. Emmanuel Sequeira talks with Aaron about his time in the KIJHL and the many adversities he's faced since. I'm joined by Aaron Volpatti, alumni of the Revelstoke Grizzlies and a former NHLer. Aaron, welcome to Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. Thanks, Emmanuel. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm I'm so glad that you're able to join us. It's always good to chat and go down memory lane and talk about, you know, times for me where it, where it kind of all started. Uh, you played a full season for your hometown Revelstoke Grizzlies in the early 2000s. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it's scary to think that it's been over 20 years ago now when you say that. But yeah, it was it was awesome. I obviously being, you know, Revelstoke my hometown. So you grow up watching the team as a young kid going to the games i mean i don't know if we have the atmosphere they have now i've been to the odd game and it's it's pretty awesome a lot of fun a lot of good vibes in there but but yeah we still had you know a good crowd and i I mean again just growing up there that was you know always kind of the the dream was to play for the grizzlies as a young kid right i mean i tell everyone this like I, i wasn't really that good like so that was that was kind of my NHL as a young kid, right? If I'm like, oh, if I can play for the Grizzlies, right? So again, just just being from there and playing there was 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 a dream come true. Because I imagine growing up as a kid, you probably watched a ton of Grizzlies games. Oh, tons! Yeah, we were there all the time. Uh, how did your experience in the KIJHL help you moving forward in your hockey career? Yeah, it was obviously instrumental. I mean, so I I played I played some AP games as a 16 year old, so I would have been in like grade 11, I guess. And I, I don't know, you might remember the name Larry Black. Some people may may not, but he was he was our GM of the Grizzlies. And he saw something in me, you know, with with the way I played and the way I could hit. Uh, I wasn't a huge guy, but he pulled me aside a few times during that my my full season there. So my grade 12 year. And he just said, listen, like you, you aren't a goal scorer. Like, don't forget who you are. And not that I forgot that, but, you know, I I put up decent numbers in junior B. He's like, if you want to, you know, move up, you ain't going to be that. And that's not to say, you know, I couldn't add that later on, but to get in, to get in. And that would, that's been the theme for, for every stepping stone I've made in my career to get in. I got to go back to that grind or that, that type of role and, and relish in that role. Right. And so it was really good advice. And I, I really honed that in and then, you know, just snuck in with the Vipers the year after. Uh, I mean, this is when you there was like 10 fights a game. So that was a wow <laughs> job, a role that was filled. Right. So with the hitting, you know, I could skate. The fighting kind of came with that. So, yeah, it was uh, obviously like that's where my junior career started. And I 
you know, really honed in on my role and, and developed it in Revelstoke. I want to come back to something what you said about that advice that your coach gave you. A lot of guys, obviously, probably in minor hockey, scoring a ton of goals, putting up big points and stuff like that. And then they're told by a coach, well, this isn't going to be the type of player that you are. But when your coach was telling you this to give you that advice to like focus on what's going to make you successful, what was that like for you to handle and to just, I guess, take it in the right way? Yeah, I mean, I always knew who I was to in a sense. Like I knew that was that was my bread and butter. Like I could always I had a knack for hitting, but everyone wants to score goals, right? And I think we all agree everyone wants to to be that guy. But listen, like I played with a lot of players that have made tons of money who could win faceoffs. People that have made millions and millions of dollars because they can kill penalties. I think now especially in the game, everyone wants to be that skilled guy. And when you keep going up levels, that filter starts going like this, right? So yeah. so you go play junior hockey. Well, now guess what? That's all the best people in minor hockey. And then you go play junior A. That's, you know, another level up. And then you go to college. That's the best junior A hockey players in North America. So like, what else do you do now? Everyone's good. Most most people aren't going to be that. when If you want to go play pro hockey, you're going to have to fill some sort of role. Right. And, you know, I, like I came out of college and I had a really good. So again, like I added that offensive element later in my career yeah. at Brown, I got to pro. And then now you're talking about the best, best players in the world. So now it's like, okay, I'm going to have to go back to, to what I know if I'm going to make this thing happen. Right. Because I mean, yeah, in the NHL, you're talking about the best, say 750 players in the world. I wasn't that skill-wise but I was one of the best in my role. So especially now everyone wants to be that guy. So I think there's even more opportunity in the game now because the pro game and, and when you move up, it's still, I'm not saying like the fighting necessarily, but it's still, it's a man's game. It's, it's mean. And if there's jobs to be had there and now everyone wants to be the point guy and they're doing these fancy moves and like, I'm, I'm all for growing the game and, you know, working on the skill because it is a skilled game, but there's a lot of opportunity there for someone who wants to fill a role. I mean, yeah. that's what I had to do. After college, you go to the pros, you start in Vancouver's farm system, you play, I think it was eight games, and then you get to Vancouver. What was it like for you to begin your pro career with the Vancouver Canucks? I had visualized this, this movie in my head. And that's, you know, that's kind of my wheelhouse is the visualization piece. And when I had that really bad burn injury and making that comeback to get out of the hospital to even come back to play hockey, you know, I, so I remember being laid up in that burn unit and then five years later, I'm a member of the Canucks. And, you know, I had never even thought about pro hockey at that point. Yeah. And I didn't even have a scholarship. I didn't even talk to an NCAA scout at, at 20 years old and I'm in a burn unit. Like I never in my wildest dream thought I would have been playing pro hockey at that to fast forward five years and to be a member of the Canucks. Like I, yeah. could, I was a free agent, so I could have signed anywhere. I guess my point is it was very, very surreal. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, your book fighter define the NHL odds. And obviously you get into what you experience with the burn. I mean, but talk about what made you decide to write that book. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So when I, when I retired in 2015, which is also scary to think it's been, you know, almost eight years feels like two, but you know, for me, it just ended. So I had my, a, a neck injury that, and it just kind of ended pretty abruptly. And 
you know, struggle with what a lot of guys struggle with. And you're, you know, you're a hockey player for 30 years and now it's all over and you're like, well, what am I going to do with my life? I mean, I got to still work. So I, I kicked open a bunch of different doors, was really struggling, you know, with that identity. I mean, more, more of a loss of identity and finding out who I was. And I was going through a lot of personal stuff as well. And it wasn't in a great place. And so, yeah, I kicked open all these doors and then COVID hit. And I remember I just went outside, sat on a bench, did a little like meditation visualization. And I was basically asking myself, like, what the hell am I going to do with here with the rest of my life? Right. And so this book had always been a side project. I mean, my buddies that I played, you know, in Vernon with that were kind of in the trenches with me and saw what I went through to, to make a comeback, to even step on the ice again. They're like, this is crazy, man. Like you got to write a book one day. So this is almost 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's always been on the back burner, a, a bit of a side project. And yeah. And, to, and the other part was, you know, as a man in hockey, you're not really taught to be like super open and vulnerable. So for me, I, I didn't even want to open that up really, you know, for all those years. Yeah. And then I sat on this bench and I thought, I'm like, maybe it's time and maybe, you know, get out of my own way, so to speak and open up. But really at the end of the day, it came down to, I can help people with, with this and with my story and, and give back. And the other part was to give back to the burn fund, which we did, you know, for the first couple of months of the the launch there. So, and that's when I decided to to write that, the book. And so it was about two years from when I started that day to, to finish and finally happened. So obviously your experience of getting burned and being in hospital, that really had a huge impact on your life. Share a bit about that. Some of the things that you were thinking. Yeah. I mean, that's a big theme of the book. And what I've discovered about life is the advert. So for me, and I think for a lot of us that, you know, we might not realize it, but adversity is really a gift. And for me, in my experiences, every piece of greatness I've achieved, whether it be through hockey, my other professional life or personal life, it's always been preceded by some sort of extreme adversity. And I don't think that's an accident. Again, you don't think it in the moment when you're in the shit, but you know, you, you can look back one day and be like, wow. I mean, so for, I know for a fact, like I would have never made the NHL if I didn't have this experience in the burn unit. I really wouldn't have because I got open to this whole new world of what we're really capable of. And I was thrust into that through this, this injury. Right. But I don't, I don't discover that you know, if it's smooth sailing and, you know, kind of go about my business as I was not to say I didn't work hard. I worked my ass off, but, or I would have worked my ass off without this experience, but yeah, it really opened up a whole new world of untapped potential through that adversity. So, I mean, yeah, it really, the adversity piece was, was a huge gift. Yeah. It's pretty amazing how uh, challengers are things that are very difficult for us to deal with and maybe things that we wouldn't want to deal with end up turning out to be a positive and I guess shape us to be who we end up needing to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I tell, I tell people this all the time. The reason I made the NHL is because I did no one else would do really. And yeah. a lot of that happened through visualization and almost, you know, essentially like 
living in this other reality in my mind, right? And and slowly becoming that person and just having this obsessive, relentless pursuit of that dream and that person that I wanted to become. And again, I would like my mindset in the burn unit was I was willing to die before giving up, right? And I don't mean that as a figure of speech, like literally I was willing to die. <laughs> so <laughs> is that for everyone? Maybe not. But you know, for me, that's what allowed me to get there. What has the response been like for your book? It's been very, very rewarding. And uh, yeah, the, it, you, I can tell the, it's had the impact for sure. Like a big part of this was sharing the story because no one really knew the whole story, right? My family doesn't even know some of the stuff in that book, like the behind the scenes stuff that I was going through. So it's been eye-opening, I guess you could say, where... Yeah, I mean, those people that I in my close circle are like, wow, I didn't know you like to that degree what you went through. And then people that I've, you know, obviously never even talked to or don't even know are reaching out and saying that the books, you know, really changed their lives and put different things in perspective. And again, just reframing that idea of adversity being a gift and and helping people push through that those times, right? So it's had a tremendous impact yeah so it's been really rewarding in that sense that's got to feel good yeah totally and I mean like numbers wise it wasn't a I mean aside from the the fundraiser for the burn fund obviously that was an important piece uh for some of the sales to go back to the burn fund but again I'd rather have a bigger impact in a smaller circle of people or environment than just try and pump out numbers per se I mean hey if you can have an impact you know worldwide that's that's the end dream for sure but at the end of the day that the impact's got to be the first piece and feels like that's happened and so what else are you doing right now so my full-time job is the cognitive performance coaching so I teach visualization programs for different athletes so that's been my you know number one job I have a few I mean author now so the book tour was was a big piece of that. And then I've been doing a bunch of speaking, you know, obviously the cyclone, I'll be doing that as well. So yeah, I've kind of been pulled in a few different directions. But but yeah, the cognitive performance coaching has been my my number one for for a few years now. And so now, you know, with the, with the book and the speaking, it's a little bit everything. Glad you mentioned about the cyclone, because yeah, that was pretty much gonna be my last question is like, uh, what is your involvement going to be with the host Grizzlies at the Cyclone Taylor Cup? Yeah, so we're going to be, I don't know if we're like spoiling anything, but I'm going to Well, be... let's not say too much and just spoil it. Maybe just keep it short of, yeah, without spoiling it, tell us what you I, can. I don't know. I'm going to, so I'm going to be around. I'm going to be hanging out. Let's leave it at that for okay. now. Yeah, I'll be around and it'll be good. I mean, we never won a championship when I was in Revelstoke. We had a good team. It'll be cool to be around. I know they've been, you know, successful the last, uh, the last while, which is cool, but uh yeah, it'll be cool to be in the in this in the town again. And I always love coming back there. And you know, I'm sure the vibes will be good and see some hockey played. Well, Aaron, thanks for joining us on Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Fighter, defying the NHL odds is a riveting account of Aaron's journey from the VGH burn unit to the National Hockey League and his life after a career-ending neck injury. It's a story filled with extreme adversity, personal triumph, grief, terror and happiness. A must read. Available at AaronVolpatti.com, Amazon.ca, or your favorite bookstore. This is Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. Many thanks to KIJHL Director of Communications, Emmanuel Sequera, 
and former NHL and KIJHL player Aaron Volpatti. <laughs>